The following is a special edition of Crosswalk. Bringing today's message is Pastor Ralph Thompson. Pastor Clay, thank you for giving me an opportunity to come today and to, to share with you here at Cross Culture. Thank you for your support. God has blessed us uh, beyond anything that we could ever imagine, not just through our ministry, but in every, everything that God has given us. He has, he has blessed us so richly. I wanted to uh, take an opportunity today to tell you a little bit about emergency chaplains, the ministry that we do, and maybe help you understand that. Uh, I've, I have a few slides that I wanted to show you that uh, help, maybe help explain some of our ministry, and I, I'm packing about a 45-minute presentation into the next five minutes, so I'll have time to preach for two hours. Okay. <clears throat> um, you may have noticed our table when you came in today out, out front by the, by the front entrance. There's some of our brochures, and I hope that on your way out that you'll pick up one of our brochures, take it home with you. will explain a little bit more about what we do, a uh, little more detail than I'm going to give you in the next few minutes. And also there's some cards there where if you don't get our, our email newsletter or uh, the newsletter that we send out by mail, we'd love to send that to you. You fill that card out and drop it in the in my box on the table out there by, by the display. We offer what's called a comprehensive approach to chaplaincy. If you notice uh, the, uh, the patch that, uh, let's go back to that just a second, the patch that uh, Will and Jenna helped me uh, design, the fire department's in the red, law enforcement in the yellow, the blue is EMS, and then, of course, 911. Those are basically the four agencies that... Um, that handle public safety in most any, any place that you go. And we offer a comprehensive uh, approach to this where we do uh, chaplaincy that encompasses all these. Comprehensive simply means broad approach where we don't have just one agency. We have several agencies. And our passion is to take the comfort of Christ to those that are in crisis. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 33, if you watched Florida lose the ball game last night, you noticed that Tim Tebow had John under one eye. 1633 under the other. And what that verse says, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that you will know in this world you will have trouble. And then he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What an awesome promise. And, and Tim Tebow did not know that he was working for emergency chaplains last night. But that's, that's the message. In this world, you will have trouble. Our mission, our passion, I mean, is on this next slide, how we accomplish this passion, there's a lot of trouble in the world. And if you don't believe it, just leave here in a few minutes, and I'm sure that you'll find some, not, if not today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, but we all are going from crisis to crisis in our lives. And the way that we accomplish this ministry of taking the comfort of Christ to people that are in crisis, we offer pastoral support, pastoral care to the first responders. We simply are the, the listening ear, the, uh, the one who offers, you know, counseling as we go by. We do funerals. We do weddings. We do counseling, those kind of things that we just do as we come in contact with our first responders. The second component is we offer a, a response to emergency situations, which is different than most chaplaincy programs do. So we go out and we take care of the general public, and at the same time, we get to rub elbows with the people that respond to these calls. And then the third thing is biblical counseling which Carter and I offer through a counseling center. Officially, we have a counseling center that operates 
out of Greystone Baptist Church in Durham. Now, we're not affiliated with Greystone. They simply believe in what we do. We've been praying that God would give us a place to do this counseling ministry, and he has offered us this place through Greystone Baptist Church. And this is available to everyone who would want it through the first responder system, them, their families, and then the people that we come in contact with who are in crisis. And the amount that we charge, and this is very important, is zero. Now, the reason that this is so important, we are not employees of the government. We don't receive uh, support from agencies. The only way that we are able to do this ministry is through the support that's given through churches, civic clubs, businesses, and especially through individuals. And we desire to build a financial foundation for this ministry so that when we're dead and gone, this ministry will continue to operate. It will be a perpetual ministry. We are a nonprofit with a board of directors. Our board of directors, Pastor Clay, is on our board. That's a really good picture of him, isn't it? That's a few years ago, Pastor Clay. Um, Michael Perra, Michael and his wife Edie are here with us today. Michael is on our board of directors along with um, Mike Smith from EMS, Kim Walker from the police department, and then Jay Vesey from the business community. All of these folks have been good friends and avid supporters, supporters of our ministry. Um, our passion is to bring the comfort of Christ to those that are in crisis. There's a lot of things that we see while we're out in the field. We see things like structure fires that, where people are burned out of their homes. We see uh, car accidents. We see traumatic injury. We see people that do bad things to other people. Uh, almost every day we'll see uh, car accidents that are very bad. This one right here happened to take place Christmas Day of last year uh, where I had to deliver a death notification to a, a woman 30 years old, that her husband was not coming home, and she had a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old that would never see their dad again. It's traumatic. It is a lot of uh, trauma that goes on in the world that we see. And as we go through this trauma, these first responders especially, it often trickles into their personal life, as it does for you too. The trauma and the stress of life will trickle into your personal life. And it may cause you problems in your marriage, in your interpersonal relationships. It may cause problems at work. You may have problems that continue to bring other problems. Say, for instance, your job lays you off and you end up with financial problems. We also see people that have problems with addictions, people that have problems just with depression. We see all kinds. You know, Jesus saw these kind of problems. This is not something new that just came about in, uh, in the 2009. Jesus in, in Matthew, uh, he was out, and, and, and the word says that he was going around preaching in the towns and villages, and he taught in the synagogues and in their, in their meeting places, and he brought kingdom news. And he says this. I love the way the, the message put this. He healed their diseased bodies. He healed their bruised and hurt lives. And the Scripture goes on to say that as he looked over the crowds, his heart broke. And he saw these people who were confused and aimless or harassed and helpless, as one translation puts it. And he said they looked like sheep without a shepherd. And you don't have to go too far today to see folks that look like sheep without a shepherd, people who are aimless, who have absolutely no hope, who live in a world of hopelessness, who are despondent, who desperately need someone to cling to. And let me tell you who that somebody is. It's Jesus Christ. And Jesus, he looked out over and he sees this 
huge harvest. And this is what Carter and I did when we answered this call to this ministry. We saw the harvest that was there. And as we prayed for workers to go into this harvest or for harvest hands, as this passage says, we answered that call. And we answered that call because there are people who are hurting that need to know that Jesus loves them and that he has a plan for their life. And that he not only has a plan for their life here and now, he has a plan for their life forever. And that's some good news. That's some news to be excited about. Now, when we talk about this, I want to look at the 23rd Psalm today. And I want to talk to you about how you respond to the shepherd's voice. I want to talk to you about are you hearing the shepherd And are you responding to his voice? And as we read the 23rd Psalm, I want you to look at it not in the way that we typically do. It's printed on the program at every funeral that you go to. Uh, You may know this, and you may even say the words, the Lord is my shepherd. Do, Do you really mean that? And do you really know what that means? And as we read through this passage, through the 23rd Psalm, I want you to read it and look at it and say, God, help me to understand what you mean when David wrote the words, and you said to me, the Lord is my shepherd. 23 verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. The shepherd, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. The shepherd leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, the shepherd, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You, good shepherd, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And check this out, I, I, you can, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, in order for us to understand what David, you got to remember, David the shepherd boy, (laughs) David the shepherd boy wrote in the 23rd Psalm about the good shepherd, it behooves us to do a little study about what it means when we talk about the metaphor that's here that talks about sheep and talks about shepherds. Over 200 times, we are referred to as sheep in the Bible. Now, let me tell you something about sheep. Now, I don't know if any of you know a lot about sheep, but back then, Hebrew folks, they knew a lot about sheep 3,000 years ago. Now, do I have any shepherds here today? Any shepherds? Okay. Well, I was going to let you finish the part about where we tell people what a shepherd does. But since there's no shepherds among us, let me tell you a little bit about shepherds and a whole lot about sheep. Let's start with the sheep. Okay, what do we know about sheep? Sheep are notoriously dumb, okay? Now, I don't mean to, I hope you're not offended by Jesus saying in his word that you are a sheep and then me standing here telling you that sheep are dumb. But if you put those two together, what he's telling us is we be dumb. We real dumb. And we need a shepherd. And the reason that we need a shepherd is because we are like sheep. We are slow. We are defenseless. 
As a matter of fact, if a sheep is attacked, a sheep is so dumb that he doesn't make a noise. As a matter of fact, if a predator comes up on a sheep, the next thing that you hear is like a wolf burping. I mean, it, it's, it's all over. It's, just, it's, it's gone. The sheep is defenseless. doesn't even have enough sense to growl or bark. And quite frankly, they have enough sense to run, but they usually run to places where, where the wolf can catch them very easily. When it comes to eating and drinking, sheep are, oh, gracious. When I'm, I'm studying sheep and I look, they are so dumb that they will go into a field if somebody takes them there, and they will eat it, and they will trample it down to, to the very bare ground where there's nothing left, and they're too dumb to go anywhere else. And when it comes to finding water, you know, my dog can find water. Usually he looks at me, and I get it out of the sink. But my dog can find water if he's outside. Any animal can find water, but sheep, they are scared of loud noises, so they can be right beside a river or a creek, and they will not even go and get life-giving water from a babbling brook because they're scared of the noise. And that's why they need a shepherd to take care of them. I would say that sheep are very vulnerable. They are very vulnerable to attack, to the predators coming along and and taking them out. But at the same time, just like 3,000 years ago, we look at this metaphor, sheep not only were vulnerable, but they were valuable. And how valuable was sheep to a Hebrew family? Well, they were their livelihood. That's what they had. They had lamb chops for dinner a lot, maybe even some mutton. I'm not really sure what mutton is, but I think it comes from them. um, Wool, they sheared the sheep for wool. They sold it to make a living. They were very important to the Hebrew family. And then the shepherd, it was the lowest job on the totem pole. David, if you remember, was the 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 runt of the family, the one who was stuck out tending the sheep. And the picture is is that Jesus takes the lowly job of watching the sheep 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Sheep need a shepherd. Now, when we look at this, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, if you notice in the Scripture, it's all in capital letters, which means it's Yahweh. The proper name of God, which means I am that I am. God Almighty, the creator of the universe, the one who sustains life. The one who actually gives us everything that we have. And there's this intense personal relationship that the shepherd is talking about, that David the shepherd is talking about with the sheep. The shepherd takes care of the sheep. And this God, who is so much bigger than we are, takes care of us because we can't take care of ourselves. And if you look at the, that verse, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Not the Lord is the shepherd, but it's my shepherd. It's intensely personal that this God of the universe would want to be my shepherd. Now, as we look at this text, I want to show you three benefits of the Lord being your shepherd. And the first one is, when we talk about the Lord is my shepherd, he meets every need that I have. Those first three verses Say this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Remember this, the Lord is my shepherd, or is he your shepherd? He's mine, and he meets every need that I have. If you're taking notes, you want to write there, he is my shepherd, he meets every need that I have. Now, there's three 
more areas or three more blanks that I want you to think about filling in right now. How does God, how does the shepherd meet my needs or what needs does he meet? Well, first of all, I want to submit to you that he meets your physical needs and then he meets your emotional needs and he meets your spiritual needs. In this passage, it talks about he meets our physical needs. The metaphor says that he takes the sheep and he shows them where to rest in the pasture. He takes them where there's food. He takes them where there's water. And for you and for me, God meets every physical need that we have. Food, shelter, clothing, the needs that we have are met through the providence, through the blessing of God. God meets our needs. You may feel like you're self-sufficient because, self-sufficient because you earn money to buy these things, but can I tell you that the very talents, the very skills that you have to earn money with come from God. God's Word tells us that, that the very ability that you have is God-given. So you can't do anything without Him, and He meets every need that you have. He meets your physical needs. The Word tells us that He meets our emotional needs. When it says that he meets my emotional needs, he restores my soul. And if you think about emotionally, what do I need from from the Lord? I need encouragement. I need to have joy in my life. Where do these things come from? They come from the Lord. And he also meets our spiritual needs. If you see in the text, it says, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. He... He teaches me right from wrong. And it's not just the business of, of doing right and not doing wrong. It's that my life, he leads me in a path that will be pleasing to him if I listen to his voice and go where he tells me to go. So God meets my needs. The shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, and he meets every need that I have. He meets my physical needs. He meets my emotional needs. He meets my spiritual needs. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, it tells us that my God will supply all of your needs through his riches in Christ Jesus. But we have to respond to him. We have to hear his voice, and we have to respond to the voice of the shepherd if we are going to have our needs met. Now, he'll meet my needs if I let him. There's something else that I want to show you, a second benefit. The Lord is my shepherd and he always protects me. The Lord is my shepherd. He always protects me. Verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We just sang that, didn't we? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, good shepherd, you are with me. Your rod and your staff They comfort me. Now, the valley for the sheep, as you moved sheep from one pasture to another, you had to go through places that where the mountains were, would make valleys, the mountains on either side, and you would go through the places where no sun would come in, and it would be dark in the valley. And as you are leading, as the shepherd is leading his sheep from one pasture to another or from one place where there's still water to another, They might go down a road that's dark through a valley where you can't see, where the unknown is there. And that's where predators will strike. Predators will come out and they will strike the sheep. Most shepherds would tell you that they seldom ever would see a wolf or a mountain lion or some other predator that would attack the sheep. But they always saw evidence of sheep dying and being taken away 
because the sheep got away from the shepherd. They were not close to the shepherd. Now, as we look at this metaphor that David has written, he talks about this rod and this staff. The rod was used, um, it's kind of a billy club, and it was used to kill predators, to protect the sheep from predators, to protect them from a mountain lion coming in. As a matter of fact, he may even have a billy club that he could throw and hit and scare the predator away. And this rod was, was used to defeat the enemy. Now, for us as sheep who have all gone astray, God has offered us protection. Our, our shepherd has offered us protection. You remember that verse we just looked at, John chapter 16, in verse 33, he says, Take heart. I have overcome the world. And in Ephesians chapter 6, God tells us that he'll, he will even provide us with an armor to protect us from the enemy. That God gives us the protection that we need. And somehow this, this rod, if you think about it, if you remember the rest of that verse, it says your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Just, just knowing that God has given me that protection is comfort. So what is it that God protects us from? He offers us this way to be protected. You know, the evil one, I mean, the Bible tells us that the devil is wandering around seeking who he can devour or destroy. Other people, there are a lot of folks that will take you down the wrong path. And God offers us that protection through his word, through knowing him, through him being our shepherd, to not be taken away by the predator's that surround us, the evil that surrounds us. Now, the other part of the shepherd's equipment is called the staff. And that's the one that the kids carry in the Christmas program, the one with the crook on the end of it. And, and a staff was used, uh, if you think about it, the crook would be to reach over into a thicket and to pull the sheep out after he has wandered into a thicket or fallen into a hole or, or whatever. He would lift the sheep out. But you turn that staff around and it was good for a little tap on the butt, a, a hit on the rump, a correction move, as uh, so to speak. It says that the staff offers protection. <laughs> and what I put in, in this blank here is the staff that the shepherd offers is protection from me. If you think about it, the sheep, he wanders off. He thinks that he knows where to go or he, he wanders away from the shepherd or he thinks that he maybe can be the shepherd and he needs a little tap on the rump or a pull up out of, the, out of a ditch to get back on track. Isn't that like me and you? Is that like us? Do we need a little bit of correction, a little bit of help out of some situations? But when I look at this, I see the staff comforts me. And when I think about a staff comforting me, just knowing that God can pull me out of whatever I've gotten myself into or give me a little love tap to correct me, it's called conviction, to correct me and get me headed on the right path. When I am in right standing with God, when the Lord is my shepherd, when I am hearing from the shepherd, we are in close relationship, the staff gives me comfort. Because I know that he loves me so much that he doesn't want me to wander away from him and he'll reach out and he will pull me back. But I've got to be close enough to reach. Now, what I would ask you is, as we look through this, and we, we sung about it a few minutes ago, 
when we talk about walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and, and as I said before, we use this a lot of times in, uh, in funerals. The valley of the shadow of death, if you are reading this today, if you hear me say this, you are not dead, okay? Now, you may feel like you are right now. It's, I, I can't see if y'all are y'all okay out there. You may, when we talk about the valley of the shadow of death, now, we deal with this a lot in what's called critical incident stress management, where somebody will be, one police officer will be shot, and there will be another police officer there who is not shot. And he has walked through the valley of the shadow of death because his partner right beside him suffered death, and he didn't. We get it a lot of times in the fire service, too, where there will be a collapse where somebody dies and other people don't, and they They've been real close to the valley of the shadow of death. But you know, the valley of the shadow of death that God's talking about here really doesn't deal, it doesn't mean death literally. It means being scared. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and the message that he wants us to have there is that we have no reason to fear because he's with us. But what we need to ask ourselves today is, What's your valley? I'm asking you, what is your valley? Are you in a valley right now? Are you in a place where it just seems like there's no hope? Is there anybody that's dealing with depression right now? You know, that can be a very dark valley. Or maybe there's marital problems, or you're going through a divorce, or you're grieving the loss of somebody that you love. Maybe it's job-related financial you know this time of year everybody's buying things and some of us don't have the means to do that it's even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil why because you my shepherd are with me more important i'm sticking with you your rod and your staff they bring me great comfort because i know that you care about me you know not only am i going through the valley of the shadow of death you're going through there with me. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're never alone. You are never alone, no matter what comes your way. Let me tell you about this third benefit. When we talk about the Lord's our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He blesses me beyond comprehension. Now, if you want to write something short instead of beyond comprehension. You can, you can write, he blesses me like crazy. He blesses me beyond my understanding. He blesses me in ways that blow my mind. He blesses me in ways that I don't deserve. He blesses my socks off. He blesses me like crazy. Can you say that? I mean, is, is, that, how, is that how God has blessed you? Has the shepherd blessed you this way in spite of you being a sheep, someone who is completely undeserving of being blessed. And he has chosen to take care of you, to protect you, to bless you. Do you understand that? Do you understand how God has poured out his blessings on you? Now, when we look at this passage, let's, let's read this, um, this verse, uh, last two verses. It says, you, you sh the good shepherd prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, 
my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, one of the things that we, it's kind of a, a switch in the gears from the, uh, from the role of the shepherd and the sheep to the actual the role of the, uh, of the warrior of Israel. Because the picture that David paints here is that when Israel was, was at war a lot, it happened a lot. And most of the, the battles that took place with the nation of Israel were against other countries who worshipped other gods. It was, all, it was always a spiritual battle. It was, it was the Lord of heaven. It was the Lord, the Lord God of heaven, the great I am versus the people of Baal. Or it was the great I am. It was the, uh, the creator of all, all the universe against some other god that was made up by man. And when they would fight these battles, they would take the, the other people captive and they would all be kind of in, in jail around them and they would set up a table right in the middle of where they had the prison camp. And they would put on a feast to end all feasts, a buffet just where, where the food, it was in front, in the middle of those that they had defeated. And the, and the, the picture here, that God wants you to see is that he has set up that type of buffet for you because we live in a sin-cursed world. The enemy is all around us, and he has set us up to be abundantly blessed. John chapter 10 and verse 10 says that he has come so that we have, may have life and have it more abundantly, to have full life. He wants us to have life abundant. He wants us to have life here and now. He wants us to be blessed right now. And in the midst of our enemies, in, in the middle of, of what's going on, there's this buffet of God blessing us. Our cup runs over. Uh, Never-ending buffet line, uh, free refills uh, forever. And in the middle of what's going on in this fallen world, this is the picture of abundant life that God wants you to understand, that He desires for you to have. He desires that you have this abundant life. But he doesn't just desire that you do that here and now. When we talk about the forever part of this verse, it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you have any idea what forever means? <laughs> it means forever. And this is the part of eternal life where Jesus, he died on the cross so that we could have life and have it not just abundantly here, but eternally with him, to be in his presence forever. And that's the promise that we can have this blessing from God, both here and now, and we can have it forever. And that's an awesome promise that God has given us. Now, the question is, do you hear the voice of the shepherd calling you? In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. And here's this picture. He says, if you will open the door and let me in, I'll come in and I'll eat with you. I will buffet with you. We will have never-ending communion and fellowship together if you will open the door and let me in. 
Cross Culture Church has a new home in Raleigh. We invite you to join us for our weekly cross culture worship with upbeat Christ centered music and timely, encouraging biblical messages celebrating the goodness of our God and what it means to be in a relationship with Him. Cross Culture Church meets Sunday mornings at 10.30 in the auditorium at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We welcome anyone looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture, you'll find a community of believers with the desire to be used by God to show that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're looking for. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.